Hey there, we are back on the lift. Today's show features the same gentleman from episode 13, Colin Coughlin, who's going to tell us about his avalanche training. He told us that he was going to do that uh, back in December, and he has followed through. Excited to hear about that. Excited to hear all about Mount Baker in the Bellingham area in northwestern Washington near the Canadian border. So stay tuned here, folks, because this is going to be another great episode of COVID era skiing and learning about avalanche training and Mount Baker. Thank you for listening to On the Lift Podcast, a runaway dumpster production. Live from Greenwater Studios, this is On the Lift Podcast, your weekly show that is ultimately about skiing. This is the show that ducks the rope, earns some turns, dances in ski boots, poaches hot tubs, closes the bar, and still makes it on the first chair. Here's your hosts, two dudes who rip the pow, shred the gnar, and tell the tales, Lance Hester and Michael Gore. We are on the lift. And hey, Mike. Hey, Lance. How you doing? Good. Well, we're joined with a good friend of the show, Colin, on today's episode. That's and right. uh, Colin's going to share a little bit of expertise about uh, Baker and also give us kind of some information on backcountry travel and how to do it safely and all that good stuff. So, Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people really enjoyed the last time Colin was on about a month ago. So um, we we kind of uh, teased it at the time that he was going to be doing this avalanche training and we'd try and get him back. And so, so Colin, thank you for being back today. Yeah, of course. Happy to be back. Uh, why don't you remind the old listeners and tell the people who haven't heard you before what your name is, what you do and where you do it. Yeah, uh, I'm Colin. I'm a student up at Western, so I live in Bellingham. Um, I'm a big-time skier. I typically work in the bike industry, but, you know, not much mechanic work in the winter. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a good time to take your time when you might be working and go skiing. Oh, yeah. I've been putting <laughs> in the days on my season's pass at Baker. Right on. Sweet. Right on. Well, um, Colin, what's your last name? Coughlin. All right. Do you uh, like it when people follow you on Instagram and stuff? Or I'm not actually active on Instagram oh, okay. anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Bellingham's right. getting to me. All right. Well, good. We, yeah, you're earthy dude. <laughs> I see you got the hair pulled back and oh yeah, yeah the man eye eye. Oh my gosh, this is a classic Bellingham interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a local now. <laughs> All right. So, um, and and for our listeners, today is the 20th of January. It's nighttime. So, in case you're uh, listening to this much later down the road and you hear references back to winter or something, that's that's when we're doing it. And I'm sure most of you will be listening to it in the next few days. But at any rate, Colin, you're a student at Western Washington University. You ordinarily work in a bike shop, and you're not in the winter, and you're spending your time skiing. How much have you been up? Um, got it on my wall. It's, what, 18 this season so far? Eight is barely into the new year, and you already got 18. Yeah, yeah. Only, um, only 13 of those are on my pass, though. So. Oh, where were the <laughs> others? Uh, I had a day at Crystal. And then I had uh, a couple touring days that I did. Okay, so you mentioned your pass, and for we we have listeners all around the world. So, 
go ahead and uh, tell us where your pass is, uh, what, where, where you ski on that pass and, uh, and a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my local mountain's Baker. I got a season's pass of them. It's like a nice, small, locally owned mountain that hasn't been, you know, taken over, I guess, by the bigger <laughs> stuff. So season's passes are still expensive and lift tickets are cheaper. So what's a season pass go for up at Baker? Um, the full price one for adult is about 800 on college. So it's like seven something. Okay. Well, 18 days, 13 of them on the pass, and it's only mid to late January. I think you've gotten your money's worth already. Yeah, yeah. I've I've definitely got below the day pass rate, but I'm I'm hoping to get it down to like a $20 an average a day. Okay. So for those who don't know much about um, Northwest skiing, what's the closest city to Mount Baker? Uh, well, the closest little town is Glacier, which is about a half hour from the mountain. But the main city that everybody comes from is Bellingham. And then some people from Mount Vernon, Maple Falls to also access okay. Baker. And if it weren't a COVID year, you'd probably get some Canadians coming yeah, south yeah. from the border because you guys are real close to the border. Yeah, we got some people in Vancouver who are typically pass holders, but not this season. All right. Mike, have you ever skied Baker? I have. Yeah. Um, every like few seasons been up there, uh, did some touring there a couple years ago with some friends, um, after a big snow. So we, you know, had to dig a pit and everything and got to experience the back country out there. That was really cool. And then, and I've skied inbounds too. Um, love it. It's a, it's a really cool mountain. Um, we were fortunate enough. My, I have some relatives that live over the border and a lot of Canadians have like like vacation properties just over the border in, in like Bellingham, Glacier area. So um, was able to kind of camp out and they have like a like a park model trailer kind of thing there. So that was yeah. nice to be semi close to the mountain, you know, close yeah. to Bellingham at least. But yeah, other than that, you know, uh, done day trips up there which is which is brutal from you know where we are down <laughs> from here, Gig Harbor, yeah, yeah that'd so, be yeah. what about four hours at least uh, ish yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there so yeah, colin more. question question for you we're, we're doing this podcast on zoom so um when lance was asking colin how many days he had he keeps like looking over at something on the wall do you have like a calendar with x's through the days or something over oh there? no no uh i have a, a posted card that i okay. just tacked to one of my posters so okay, i can nice. mark it every day i go up just to, <laughs> so i can awesome. have those bragging rights and make sure my season's pass is justified and all that yeah that's so cool because when we asked you how many days you had you didn't like start counting on your fingers you're like oh not right there you, 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 oh that's, I would never that's a real skier thing to do it's awesome <laughs> it's good it's, it just it had that vibe to it it's like an advent calendar in for skiing yeah but, yeah so um all right so this is your what your third year skiing at baker second year i don't know uh yeah, it's my second year having a season's pass. I went like once or twice my first year of college. Didn't have a car, so. I was going to say you were studying too hard. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what your mom told me. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I told he had to her. give up Instagram. He was studying so much. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't been to Baker in probably 20 years. Um, I've looked at the map. It's not a whole lot different than it was back then. <clears throat> what I remember is the main parking lot. I, you, you like looked up 
the mountain, you're like, there's only one chair. <laughs> and so you'd go up this chair and then you had to get off at the top, but it kept going and it served the other side of the same hill that you'd just gone up. So like it was up and over so that there's people coming up and then they had to ski back to the parking lot. Everyone had to funnel out on that chair. I know they have another parking lot now, but that was it back. Oh yeah. Yeah. That ago. was 20 years ago. That was <laughs> definitely least. 20 years ago. <laughs> it might have been 30. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the old lot. There's a new main lot. Since <laughs> oh, that's then. not even the main one. Okay. Well, gosh, I'm dated. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, what do you like about, tell me what, what your, um, what, what uh, everyone who skis Baker loves Baker and I have fond memories of it. It's just so far away. I don't get, get up there. What, what do you love about Baker? I, I really appreciate that it's pretty quiet. Like, oh, yeah? It's, it really doesn't get the traffic that the Stevens Crystal, the kind of Seattle uh, uh, mountains get. Like, you don't have the lift lines. Like, there's a couple weekends, like holiday season and for the Baker Slalom, which is a big event they do every year. Well, not this the, year. But the Banked Slalom, right? The, yeah, the Banked Slalom. Yeah. It's uh, But other than that, like, it's really a pretty quiet mountain. So, like, you know, you're you're sitting on these like rickety old chairs. There's no high speed chairs at Baker, That's and cool. it's just you just got it to yourself. Because I typically go on the weekdays too, so it's even quieter for me. Oh wow! Up today there's maybe like a hundred people on the mountain. Oh my gosh! Um, wow! Yeah, weather weather's been a bit rough, but are they open seven days a week? Because back in the day that I speak of, they weren't. Um, they're yeah. So for the main season they're open seven days a week unless something happens like if the conditions are so bad well, yeah, they'll just right. call it and they'll be like all right nobody come up we're closed today call uncle but, so so what um um what uh, mike you got you always have those super useful trivia information in your head do you have any baker trivia you know uh once it goes past the bank slalom um i'm pretty much out uh i, would I have a little bit if you don't, I mean, this is like a rare moment. I have trivia that Mike doesn't. I believe you got? that it is the first ski resort that allowed snowboards on the chairlifts. That's right. Someone might want to check that fact, but I am okay. over 90% sure on that one. It does kind of feel like it, it has uh, snowboarding's roots can be traced there. Yes. You know? And then the other one, so Colin and you have both mentioned the Bank Slalom, a big event up there. They have this sort of like natural uh, half pipe run that I recall. And that's where that occurs, right, Colin? I, yep. I think. And then they have the big, um, what is it called? Ski to Sea or something like that, the relay deal. Mm -hmm. You guys know much about, is that what it's called? Is that the right name? Yeah, the Ski to Sea. Or sky to see or it's ski to see because oh, okay. you started the you started baker skiing and then you switched through like nine sports all the way down to bellingham bay okay and that's like in april or it's like it's late in the season if i recall i knew at one point okay it's <laughs> a few runs ago huh yeah, yeah, yeah it's i know it's a famous deal for the multi-sport crowd and they it includes skiing cross-country skiing bicycle riding kayaking i don't know Probably yeah. running, um, but canoeing. They have like cycling and cycle cross. Oh my god! Cross country skiing and downhill skiing. Wow. Okay. And canoeing. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure on that. <laughs> Don't trust my word. All right. Well, <laughs> sounds <out>. like the <laughs> pole pedal paddle race, and I was just googling that on, on my Google box here, but uh, 
that seems to be. In is bend. that what the name so, of it is now? Oh, pole pedal well, paddle. There is one of those in in Bend. Uh, oh, okay. That involves mm -hmm. Bachelor, but I'm not sure. I think Sea to Ski is the correct term for the one. Yeah. Okay. Bellman. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, what's the name of that mountain that kind of um, stands? So, Shuxon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you done anything up on that peak on those peaks surrounding Baker? Not, not particularly. Like, yeah, Shuxon's Shuxon's too far into mountaineering. Is it for okay? Me. Yeah, it's like uh, people do some at that, but it's like <laughs> when you're trying to get up there, that's not so much like I love downhill, so I'm gonna go tour Shuxon. Uh huh. All right, so I have some questions about Baker. We um, we try and make this podcast something that everyone likes, and you know, you've already skied 18 days this year, and I know just from when I skied with you when you were in high school that you're you were already really good back then. What uh, for the advanced skiers out there? What are your favorite runs that are inbounds at Mount Baker? Um, there's some really fun stuff off of gobbles, and to if you're really advanced uh, to the right of the chute under one, there's some really gnarly shoots. I know it's it's the so same wait, name. Gobbles is the name of the chair. So gobbles is the run under chair five. Okay. So from the Raven Hut, there's uh three different chairs you have five six and four okay. so five's the one that goes up towards eight and it's uh, above the white salmon parking lot and right. it's got this massive run under it called gobbles it's just the whole thing it's a massive gobble like g-o-b-e uh, gobble like gobble you up gobbles. G -O -B -E. yeah like gobble yeah i don't know okay some people yeah okay. there's, there's miscommunication <laughs> on how people pronounce it i call it gobbles okay so 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 um there's which which direction if you're like looking downhill are you re referencing these awesome um, shoots so these shoots are under one and they're to the right of the one lift skiers right okay um there it's uh baker's a bit strange if you've never been because the advanced zones for advanced skiers you duck the rope they're open and they'll say <laughs> open but you duck the rope to get in oh okay. um and so you duck the first rope into the advanced zone under one okay. and that's like uh you're in pan right there so it's uh, still okay to do it. you're not gonna yeah. it's kind of like a dad stepping over the child gate to the stairs or something it's it's okay for some people to do it but yeah it's like a warning yeah. like if you go into this zone you better be like at least this level skier so like okay. I guess uh, intermediate and beginner skiers don't wander into those zones accidentally. Okay. I've never seen it any other mountain though. Yeah. It's, it's a little weird, but you get used to it as a Baker local, just ducking the rope and watching for the close signs along yeah. the posts. Yeah, but, I'm looking at this, uh, Colin. It's interesting because you're you're right. Like on the edge of the mountain on the map here are all the blues and and like kind of what you'd expect to see, but then. Like underneath kind of the main lifts there, it's all shaded in yellow and it says danger cliffs, like in, in <laughs> yep. a couple spots. And there's literally skull and crossbones on them. Um, so that's what I'm talking about, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, how, how legit is that warning about cliffs? Are there some pretty, like, is it, you know, you kind of, there is trees cliffs. and then you got a mandatory drop kind of thing or. Uh, there's cliffs that I don't care if you're a pro skier, like mm -hmm. you don't want to be stuck on top of, like they're death defying in those zones. Okay. Um, there's, there's ways down. There's like a couple ways down that you find yourself in. So like below the first rope that you duck, 
you drop in, this is uh, under one, okay. there's a second rope. And uh, some of it says danger cliffs and some of it uh, says open. And if you go under the open zones and you kind of know where you're going, there's a couple ways down through that stuff on the map that says danger cliffs, skull and crossbones. Okay. And those are like the coolest and most difficult runs on the map. If you wow. catch those right on a powder day, it's fantastic. If you catch those on an icy day, like, whew, you might be coming out in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're talking about share one over on uh, coming up from Heather Meadows base yeah. area there. Okay. Yeah. That, and that cliff thing kind of just <laughs> skirts across that whole area that's considered yeah. double, uh, double diamond. So if yeah. I just got off the lift and started skiing down that shoot run there, is it pretty intuitive is it marked that hey this is like this whole area has cliffs but this there's a real cliff here or is it um obvious sneak or, up on you yeah or sneak up yeah it's not too if you go if you go under one don't duck the second rope if you don't know where you're going it's pretty much the rule okay because like then you then you get stuck out over like 60 foot cliffs to flat like and i you, see you don't want that so you no. can kind of run out skiers right skiers left get away from that cliff yeah, you can run out. Then you're into just a black diamond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so bad. so let me crank the question down to um, the 54 year old who maybe can pucker his way through that once and <laughs> loses uh, uh, loses mind and decide he needs to take it easier for the rest of the day, but not too easy. Um, like, are there any steeper groomers? Are there any? Um, just go-to runs that you don't have to worry about whether there's powder or ice or those sorts of things that, that will keep the interest of that person I just described? Yeah, there's, um, it's kind of a mix. There's not really steep groomers anywhere on Baker. They just don't really exist. Are there They're any groomers? Kinda, <laughs> there are groomers. They do groom, but it's mostly intermediate like uh -huh. stuff, like yeah. blues and greens they groom. Okay. Um, but there's uh, chair eight, which is like kind of on the uppermost part of the mountain towards Shuxon, right at the base of the Shuxon arm. Right. Um, that's like a really nice one, like end of day. It's a long lift. You kind of rest on the chair. And um, it's not as pitchy as some of the other stuff, like say six, five, and one. But it uh, there's, there's really nice options off of it. So it's groomed all the way down. But to the side of the groom, like you can have these nice little shoots and cliffs you want to jump off of and there's like powder pockets you can find and awesome. so it's like really fun area but it's not quite as difficult as the rest of them okay it's got a pretty broad menu it sounds like all right and so if you are um super dad and you've got some middle schoolers ish ages or maybe upper elementary school and they've all got some experience but it's going to be a fun day and it's going to be something for everyone where would you recommend people go ski? Yeah, I'd say if you've got intermediate skiers, eight is probably the coolest place to hang out. But if you've got some like kind of more towards the beginner end, like you can go to chair two, which is not, it's just a little past the bunny hill. Uh, and chair seven is also a good option. They're all like just varying levels of kind of uh, blue green options. And are the runs that they would take pretty obvious and, and that sort of thing? Or is there any like insider tips you'd give them on little cool? Places? Yeah, 
it's it's all fairly obvious it's things are pretty open like the only insider tip is if you go up chair four um there's uh there's a couple little shoots that you can go into that are like super fun with the kids that have the big banked walls oh good um yeah they're 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 really fun and uh, you see a ton of kids on busy days in those sections so that's uh under chair four and down to the left okay and if someone wanted to ski the same run as the famous banked slalom uh race where that's held each year is there a name for that or is it called bank slalom it's a it's the natural half pipe is where they take that it's just called called the natural half pipe okay all right very good so mount baker what have they done if anything to um to demonstrate caution for covid this year do they have parking reservations they don't have parking reservations they've they've withheld the right to instill a reservation system should uh-huh. they need to okay but we're past the busiest point in the year and they haven't and so i don't think they will okay um it's it's so much quieter than other mountains i don't really feel that it needs to have the reservation system that uh-huh. other mountains do um other than that they just have security around checking passes and yelling at people for having masks off which is good but yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty lax what about are the are the lodges open at all for food service? Lodges lodges are open for takeout. Okay. Um, no beer, but you know, gotta gotta make some compromises. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So um, what about their lift lines? Are they just saying if you rode up with someone, that's the only person you're allowed with on the chair, or do they try and fill up the chairs? So they'll they'll send you up in a group. Um, but if you're single, they'll put you with one other person. But if you're with a group, then uh just just your group so there's more than two separate people okay will go on any given chair that's what i've seen at the two other mountains i've been at this year that seems like a reasonable way to handle it it sounds like things are are safe but like also kind of normal other than not being able to eat in the lodges yeah it really doesn't feel any different for me because i just eat at my car anyway right (laughs) the car lodge one of our favorite new terms this year the car lodge car lodge yeah um, you know, you mentioned masks, and I heard a new term today for our, um, our, our listeners that like to keep track of our, the COVID era skiing stuff. And it is a term to describe people that don't wear their masks on the mountain during COVID. And the term is taking off like wildfire and people are labeling them mask holes. <laughs> that's great lance is this, is this npr now <laughs> wow okay. I, well, I crystal this weekend uh I, <laughs> I i thought you know it'd be funny to just take my mask off and like run across in front of the lodge and just yell i'm streaking <laughs> so but no i had i had i actually had three masks on i, I just think it's safer one for each personality that's right all right well okay so the um thanks for all that uh oh i had a couple questions more where do you where do like people who don't you know like it's like me i live in gig harbor i want to go to baker for the weekend would you recommend finding a place in glacier or where would you say to stay um honestly depends on price like glacier is like a super sweet spot to stay for proximity to the mountain Uh uh-huh like it, it's a half hour from 
the the bottom lot so it's like really nice to wake up and go yeah you don't really have to get up to like 8 15 or anything and that's the closest place that, there's, there's the no closest on the mountain town. lodging okay yeah no nothing closer than glacier but i mean if you're just coming up for the weekend and or just like one day and you want to split up your drive and you want something a little cheaper than glacier like stay in a stay in bellingham or maple falls or maybe deming i'm not sure if deming really has many options but i got a speed uh, just an deming. intermediate point <laughs> Yeah, those cops, they'll get you in Deming. It goes down to 25 real quick. Um, cool. Well, um, all right. So, Colin, last time you were on, you were telling us about your first uphill skiing experience, and uh, you told us that you were going to go back and get some training. Um, you're back because that's happened. Tell us about it. When was it? What'd you do? Where'd you do it? Yeah, um, I got – at the start of January, I had training. I did – it was – it's called Airy One. It's um, spell that. I don't know what that means. A it's a an acronym that stands for something. It's A R I E. Okay. Um, First word's probably yeah. avalanche, but probably avalanche. Mike, get the Google out. I wasn't ready for this. I'm on it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he'll interrupt you. All right. So go ahead. It was the beginning of January. I remember, like back in November, December, you were signed up for it. Yeah, so I signed up for it a, a while ago. They fill up super quick. Where was um, it? Uh, the so there's two online sessions that we like Zoom called, um, and then two in-person sessions that was in the backcountry at Baker. Oh wow! And was it a group setting or one-on-one -on -one or? It was it was group. There was five people like per guide, uh -huh. and there was like three guides that took up groups so it was like all in one for the zoom thing and then they kind of like split us off and there so was, how many uh, total people were part of the training uh, it roughly. was like 15 or 20 yeah okay cool so what was covered on the online part yeah they they really went over like um like a little bit of everything that they and then they reinforced a lot in the in-person stuff so the online stuff, they really interestingly talked about human factors in avalanches. Oh. Like, um, you know, the psychology, like you're up there and it's a beautiful day. The sky is blue and you really want to get that lap. So you kind of ignore the things you should be seeing. Yeah, it looks safe because it's a bluebird day and yeah, it's summit like, oh. fever, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That kind of stuff. The human factors. So they spent quite a bit of time on that, which I thought was super interesting. And then they also taught uh, the airy framework, which is like their their guide of how to interact with your team to make sure you don't miss anything. It's like, and not only how do you interact on that day, it's like what do you need to be doing all season? What do you need to do the night before? What do you need to do after? Because like, how can you have a learning experience if you don't even see an avalanche for like five years? If you don't trigger one, how do you learn what sets it off? And so they like build that into the framework. It's super interesting. That is, it sounds like it. It's cool. Yeah. So I, just, are there, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead Mike. Sorry. No, no, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, I, I did find the actual name of this. It's A-I-A-R-E. And oh, uh, their website is avtraining.org. If people are interested in checking it out, I'm just scrolling through here while Colin's uh, talking about it. It's, it's pretty fascinating and pretty simple. Um, the course that, you know, the offerings they have online. Sorry, you know, ahead. speaking of, of websites, uh, 
ontheliftpodcast.com is where you can find our back episodes and where you can find our call-in number, which I can tell you right now is 253-260-4577. And then you can also give us some feedback in the feedback box. But and speaking uh, of feedback, ZipRecruiter. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking to hire, try ZipRecruiter. Oh, Lord. So, uh, all right. So, Airy, A E, say it again. The- <laughs> I was way off. Alpha. It's, it's Alpha India Alpha Ricardo Eduardo. A I A R E. A I A. Avalanche Research Education. Let me click about and I'll actually read out that acronym. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I got I to gotta have the hashtag ready for our Instagram site. So, all right. Uh, is there, let's, let's see if they got the SOCH. They may be going full Bellingham style too, though. I don't see any. I don't see. I don't see that they're on the grum. They're not on the grum. They're like Colin. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's infectious. Everybody will be off the social media one day. Is your house there? Are your is your power coming from the solar panels on the roof or? No, no. We're only green energy through uh, PSE. Like, I could couldn't get solar panels here, so you know we just. All right. I think we know what they mean by green energy. <laughs> it is Bellingham. Yeah, that's right. I remember okay. going there uh a few years ago and like freezing to death, staying with it was my buddy's my buddy's brother was a student at Western. They were all like, you know, six guys living in a house, but like no one wanted to chip in to pay the it just had electric baseboard heat. So it was like 47 degrees inside this house. <laughs> anyway, I just that memory just You're came like- back. Telling yourself I could afford a hotel room. What am I doing? Oh gosh. So all right. So um, two online sessions. We're back to the training. Two online sessions with Zoom, and then how many were out in the field? We we had two full days out in the field. Okay. So those online sessions were they you know kind of like primers, and they're only an hour, or were they like half a day, or what were they? They were about three hours each. Wow. This is um, a lot of training. Yeah. Yeah, I paid a lot of money. It better be a lot of training. How much, oh, how much was it? Uh, four ninety five is okay. what I paid. And yeah. you sign you sign up online. You don't have to like I don't know have a group yeah. or something. There's there's a bunch of different providers. You can take it with other people. You can sign up together. It's probably a great idea if you have like ski buddy or something. You sign yeah. up with your ski buddy. You get educated together and you understand the framework together. But did yeah. you do that or did you just do it all on your own? I did not. I don't have my ski buddies down in Seattle right now. So sad. Uh, Vlad, man. if you're listening, come back, buddy. What's his name? Uh, Vlad. Vlad. Is that short for Vladimir? I assume I have never asked. Really? Okay. I'm not going to ask. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid to ask you after hearing that. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, all right. So, so then you're in the field, what goes on in the field? Groups of five, you said. Yeah. Yeah. We met at Mount uh, Baker. What else? Yeah. We met at Mount Baker. We just toured out a little bit into the, um, into the back country. The first day was pretty scary, brutal. We were there on a, what was a wild day. There was, it was level four, uh, rating at all levels on Northwest Avalanche Center. So like above, below, and at Treeline was all level four out of five avalanche rating. There was wow. 12 inches of snow in five hours. And there was Jeez. constant wind of 35 with gusts up to 50 miles an hour. We're just trying to get educated. And it's just storming like you wouldn't believe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, 
So that was the first of the two days? Yeah, that was the first of the two days. Wow, that sounds like quite the introduction. So, um, so then how did, I mean, how do they even teach in that environment? Um, like we, we just, we went just a little bit ways into the back country and we kind of like uh, started drilling there. Um, just, you know, dealing with the conditions as best we could while like, you know, doing the things that the guide had prepared, like various different like snowpack tests and, uh, you know, rescue scenarios i i have a question when you um when you get this kind of training like i know guys that do a lot of hiking they have the 10 essentials you know and they always should bring that stuff in their backpack or whatever is there some sort of equivalent for backcountry skiing and avalanche training i would there there's certainly the three essentials which is the beacon shovel probe if you don't have beacon shovel probe get out of the backcountry okay um there's beyond that, there's definitely items that should be carried, but it's not quite like the 10 essentials. It, it should be, but it's like, you know, you have group items that you should have a med kit. Like you should have someone who can like contact the outside. If you get in trouble, you mm -hmm. should have shelter for overnight. If you get trapped or there's an injury, you, you pretty much need to have extra layers and gloves and stuff like that like uh, a good stuff puffy is good. Mm -hmm. Like if you suddenly get like out too late, you should have a headlamp, should have a rescue sled and the list goes on. And there's mm -hmm. like so many items. And it, it's honestly very particular to like what situation you're getting into, like what kind of tour you're going on. Right. Like how far in the back country are you? Like, are, are you, is there any chance you're stranded out for night? Like yeah. headlamp, yeah. So a lot, a lot to think about oh, yeah. packing the bag. That's really interesting. So yeah, I mean, so these guys got you primed and, and to some extent prepared for doing like multi-day backcountry um, Little bit. Call it, excursions or whatever. Okay. So, yeah. um, so how about the second day? How was the conditions on that one? It was, it was a bit better. It was still level four danger above treeline, but it dropped to level three near and at treeline on uh, NWAC there. Um, so it was, it was, it was a much lighter day as far as wind was concerned and snow, but as it went pretty white out. Um, oh, it did. Later into the day. Not completely, but it was like you couldn't quite see the horizon because, you know, yeah. you couldn't tell what was snow and what was sky. Can you tell us what these one through five avalanche ratings are or warnings? Yeah. Yeah, so the one through five is just the rating system of the danger of a particular avalanche. So uh, I don't remember precisely what it is, but like one is too small to bury a person. Like I think two will bury you. Three can bury up to a car and then four and five or just like massively. Like, if you're out there on a five, you, you, you shouldn't be. Yeah. And four is recommended don't travel. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's just a one through five system of avalanche size and then likelihood so even if you've like made this your big week-long trip for a whole year and you've daydreamed about it all year at a four or five you shouldn't go no no you really shouldn't be out there like unless you're doing something that stays out of the avalanche zones uh -huh. like if you're just trying to get in the backcountry and you go through like a flat area that there's no hills or no slope over 35 degrees like yeah, you should wow. still get out there, but you shouldn't be pressured by like, I've been planning this. This is my one day off. I need to get out there. Like, 
That's how people get killed. This is not the tr the sport for you, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it might be the sport for you, but <laughs> yeah. it won't be for very long if you get killed in an avalanche. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, um, there's a lot of data with this NWAC site. I mean, in terms of just avalanche forecast, observations, um, they look at like what aspects of the slopes are going to be safer than others. And so, yeah, there's a wealth of information that you can prepare with on here but i you know I, I wouldn't know how to put all this together so i think that the course like you took is a really good idea yeah it's super informative they they ran us through in the zoom sessions like how to read and interpret the some of the nwac data because uh i don't know if you're looking at it but there's an hour by hour chart of uh the conditions yeah. that go up and like understanding how that builds on itself to create avalanche danger it's like important for yeah looking at your your next day so um, are there um so so uh, what did the train a couple i'm tongue-tied sorry a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago we had chris Mayer on here who does a lot of um side <laughs> country skiing and Chris was talking about how he highly recommends going with at least three people, even, and I call it side country. He didn't, but you know, just adjacent to a resort and, and that sort of thing. And, and his main suggestion was because of the, you know, just the safety issues. If someone gets hurt, you might need two people to get that person out and so, and so forth. What, what did the official training include for like the buddy system or whatever? Yeah, it was, uh, I love Chris. I skied threes with him uh, a couple of weeks ago. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the I was really surprised because I had always heard stick with a buddy, never go alone, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. uh, turns out my guide Tom, he really experienced dude, been doing it for a long time. He almost exclusively goes alone on his own time. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, right. It's like counterintuitive. It's like how oh, do you dig yourself out? How do you find? Yeah, yourself? you can't dig yourself out. And his whole thing was like, you know. I never go into something where I there's going to be an avalanche. Like I observe, I take the time, I like make the observations. He must really hate bringing the probe. <laughs> yeah. Well, he brings all the gear. He comes in geared up, but he's he's like confident. And it's like if there's any reason to turn around, there's an avalanche here. Like I just don't go. Hmm. And so that's he goes alone a ton. Um, but he's a very experienced guy in the backcountry who teaches a course on this. So yeah. I don't know if that's generally applicable that like you should just go by yourself because, you know, you won't get caught. So have yeah, you been I think yet? you're talking about a pretty like a high level of risk mitigation yeah. from the outset. But yeah. For the average schmo average like Joe. us going up, you know, so even Silver King, a crystal or something when you're getting into some of the side country. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. you know two or three at least yeah three's a really nice number yeah my, my opinion right so so have you done it since the training have you been out in the backcountry since the training i haven't been since the training um yeah i've only been a couple days since the training the conditions uh, kind of got sleep hopefully we'll get some more snow i know it's been a little bleak for a couple weeks but yeah, yeah it's coming march always brings it that's what I'm saying yeah. every year. That's like a month and a half. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's supposed to be La Nina. Haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Well, it was a pretty decent start, early start. But. 
Yeah. Well, I am. I think I'm about out of questions for you, Colin. How about you, Mike? Uh, you know, I, I think you did a great job. I, yeah, don't really have uh, much else. I mean, I, I learned would really encourage any of our listeners that are interested in learning more about this. Check out A I A R A Airy um, uh, website to uh, you know sign up for one of these courses. They have yeah. them. It's like all over the country. And yeah, thanks, Colin. Appreciate the insight, and hopefully um, we'll be able to get up to Baker soon. After hearing you talk about it and looking at the map, I really want to get up there. It looks like a well, I know it's a great hill. I need to get back. <laughs> yeah, I miss the groovy, groovy skiing ambiance, and it's got it there. It is keeping it real with those those slow chairs and real groovy for you ski cats out there. <laughs> groovy for you ski chairs. Yeah. Uh, any other any other uh, final impressions of your avalanche training there, Colin? Yeah, it's it is really great. I really can't recommend it enough. Uh, yeah, if you're going out with buddies and you don't know what you're doing, please take it. For yeah. everyone else in the backcountry, please please take a course. Get yourself educated. Yeah. Did they give you a t-shirt or anything? Or? No, just, just some paper. Okay. <laughs> no swag. All right. Well, Colin, thank you so much. It has been great having you. Um, I will post a couple notes on this and, uh, and I will do that on our website on the Or if you're more a person who listens to this and wants to reach for your phone and, and if you get us questions for Colin or, if you just have something you want to say about the backcountry, call in and leave us a message and tell us that we can use it on the air or on the recording. And our number is 253-260-4577. And I am ready to put my tips up and go into the lodge. Let's lift up the bar. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again, Thanks Colin. again. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you next time. On the Lift Podcast is a production of Runaway Dumpster, LLC. Visit us at ontheliftpodcast.com, where you can listen to back episodes of the podcast. You'll also find show notes, feedback box, and our call-in number, 253-260-4577.